Happy midweek, everybody. It's Wednesday, August the 12th, and these are some of the headlines on BizarreBest.com. Air Force helicopter while flying over Virginia shot at. Treasure hunter finds 3,000-year-old hall in Scotland. Massive ancient death pit filled with corpses uncovered in Spain. Vampire parasite that takes the place of a fish's tongue in mouth while alive. And zombie microbes redefine life's energy limits. All of these headlines and more on BizarreBest.com. Dude, it's Bizarre Best Headlines, 100% unfiltered. An Air Force helicopter flying over Virginia was shot in a harrowing incident that left a crewman injured and required the chopper to make an emergency landing. The FBI is investigating the attack on Monday involving a UH-1N Huey, which was assigned to the 1st Helicopter Squadron at Joint Base Andrews in Maryland. The agency dispatched special agents and its evidence response team to Manassas Airport after receiving reports that a helicopter was shot at from the ground nearby. The FBI Washington field office told McClatchy officials at Manassas Regional Airport said they received a call at 12.20 p.m. altering them that the alerting them, apparently this was misspelled, that a military helicopter was inbound and that paramedics were on the way. The injured crew member was t taken and treated at a hospital and released. The chopper remained at the airport as the investigation was launched. Dude, what the F? The injured crew members sustained non-threatening injuries. The FBI Washington field office is working jointly with our law enforcement partners, including the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, to determine the circumstances surrounding the incident. The FBI said, somebody's going to jail, y'all. <laughs> Big time, dude. The Office of Special Investigations is fully engaged with our FBI colleagues on this incident. OSI take threats to our airmen and our resources very seriously. I'd like to know who thought that was a good idea. So you're just hanging out on the ground. Maybe you're grilling a burger, grilling out a hot dog. I don't know. Shooting BBs at the local squirrels. And all of a sudden, a helicopter goes above you and you decide to take a shot at it. Probably not a smart thing to do, I'd say. Joint Base Andrews is home to Air Force helicopters, fighter squadrons, and the Presidential Aircraft Air Force One. Definitely not a good idea. In any event, I will link this at BizarreBus.com. amateur treasure hunter has uncovered one of the most significant Bronze Age hordes ever found in Scotland, including jewelry and a 3,000-year-old sword. What? How cool would that be, dude? Metal detectist, uh, some dude with the last name of Stepien, said he was shaking with happiness when he made the discovery in June in a field near the village of Peebles, about 22 miles south of Edinburgh. I thought I've never seen anything like this before and felt from the very beginning that this might be something spectacular and I've just discovered a big part of Scottish history. That is amazing. Stephian and his friends contacted the Scottish government's treasure trove unit and camped in the field for 22 days as Arky, because he ain't giving up his shit. <laughs> Dude, I found it. 
for 22 days as archaeologists un uncovered the assemblage of artifacts. These included a complete horse harness, buckles, rings, ornaments, a sword still in its scabbard, and axle caps from a chariot. They and the dirt around them are now at the National Museum's Collection Center in Edinburgh. Emily Freeman, head of the Treasure Trove Unit, said it was a nationally significant find. It is the only, it, it is only the second Bronze Age hoard ever excavated in Scotland. It was an amazing opportunity for us to not only recover bronze artifacts, but organic material as well. There's still a lot of work to be done to assess the artifacts and understand why they were deposited where they were. Dude, good for you. That's totally amazing. And I know that they're going to want you to um, donate a lot of that. But I also hope that this dude gets paid for his find. I'm going to link it at BizarreBiz.com. A huge haunting necropolis has been discovered in northern Spain. The ancient death pit was found with over 100 tombs inside and is the culmination of an excavation that started in 2013. Dude, I had no idea. And there's a lot of freaking graves here, man. There's some pictures and stuff. Necropolis are large design cemeteries with elaborate tomb monuments. With its name stemming from ancient Greece's City of the Dead, the, astonish the astonishing archaeological discovery was made in the village of Granon in the northern Spanish region of La Roya, La Roya, a village in La Roya with almost 300 inhabitants. Dude, and they're just like laying in the ground, but like perfectly preserved. It is understood that the remains date back to the late antiquity period and the early Middle Ages. During the early Middle Ages, bodies of adults and children were placed directly in the ditch. The graves were dug along with offerings and earthly belongings of the deceased. I bet they're, they're pulling up a lot of other stuff too. Archaeologist and director of the project, this guy named Lewis, said that in 2013 a previous exploration was carried out and eight tombs were found and the necropolis was defined. He explained this last phase had lasted around a month and a half, and in total, 103 graves have been detected. All of the graves discovered in the necropolis had bodies inside of them. The burial tombs were found covered with slabs and having now been documented, are ready to be analyzed. Too awesome, dude. You gotta go to, uh, I'm gonna link this at bizarrebus.com. You gotta go there and check out the pictures and the video. The teams are working to discover more about who the tombs and the bodies belong to. The tombs are oriented from east to west. Two phases of burial are quite well differentiated. They are classic Christian tombs with the head to the west facing east. Most are buried in simple pits covered with stone slabs. The bodies found face up will be transferred to carry out more anthropological studies in a week. I'll get it out. The mayor of Granon, Jose Ignacio Castro told Spanish TV network that it has been a novelty and chaos because there are so many people trying to see the ancient bodies. There's a bridge from where you can see the necropolis and it is very easy to see them from there. The study will be completed with the collaboration with the Department of Anthropology of a university yet to be determined. Wow, dude, that's crazy. Um, some really good photos on here amazing they're they're i mean i i've not heard that this was going on since 2013 so 
apparently it's an ongoing thing. So um, anyway, I'll link it at BizarreBus.com. Hey y'all, I just wanted to take a moment and show you the new BizarreBus mask I got. It's freaking awesome. Um, it's a polyester shell on the outside, 100% cotton on the inside, so nice and soft. Um, made in the USA. That was important. We had to make that happen. And goes on super easy. Doesn't pull your ears. And I'm doing this with glasses on. So you can see. Doesn't pull your ears. Full coverage. Good stuff. Anyway, uh, these are, you can get them in black, gray, white, red, and they're $12.99. It's got our logo on the front. If you feel like you'd like to support us, this is one good way to do it. Um, you can go to bizarrebest.com and on the right top of the page, you'll see the mask. Um, and we would so appreciate your support. At the same store, you can get a t-shirt if you want. Anyway, thanks so much. I appreciate you guys. I think we've known about this awful parasite for a while, but it's a parasite that takes over a fish's mouth and becomes its tongue. When scientists recently x-rayed a fish's head, they found a gruesome stowaway. A vampire crustacean had devoured and replaced its host's tongue. The bug-like isopod, also called a tongue biter or tongue-eating louse, keeps sucking its blood meals from the fish's tongue until the entire structure withers away. Then the true horror begins as the parasite assumes the organ's place in the still-living fish's mouth. Dude, that's like nightmare fuel. I'm freaking out. Biologist Corey Evans, an assistant professor in the Department of Biosciences at Rice University, discovered the tongue biter while digitizing x-rays of fish skeletons. He shared images of surprising and horrifying, horrifying finds on Twitter on August 10th uh, last year. Mondays aren't usually this eventful, Evan joked in the tweet. I guess, no wait, this year I guess, sorry. There are about 380 species of tongue-eating isopods. Dude, I didn't know that. And most target a specific fish species as their host, according to the Two Oceans Aquarium in Cape Town, South Africa. This type of isopod enters the fish's body through the gills, latches onto the tongue, and begins to feed, releasing an anticoagulant to keep the blood flowing. The parasite grips the base of the tongue tightly with its seven pairs of legs, reducing the blood supply so that the organ eventually atrophies and drops off. Dude. <laughs> From that point on, the isopod's body serves as a functional tongue for the fish, while the tongue biter continues to feed on the fish's mucus. According to Rice University, this partnership between the fish and its living tongue can only can continue for years. <laughs> what the fuck? In many cases, fish have been known to outlive their tongue-replacing parasite. What do they do then? <laughs> How am I supposed to eat, dude? Okay, I gotta keep. I gotta keep going on. Evans encountered the fish in its macabre living tongue as part of a scanning initiative for a family of coral reef fishes called RASSES, he told Life Science. The project's goal is to generate 
a 3D x-ray database of skeletal morpho morphology for his fish group, making it available to researchers around the world, Evans said. He often shares examples of the scans on Twitter under the hashtag BackdatRassup. Very, very nice. He did that on purpose. I got that. Backdat, B-A-C-K-D-A-T, W-R-A-S-S-E-U-P. It's a fish term, dude. That morning I was doing something called digitizing. I compare skull shapes of all these different fish to each other that requires placing landmarks, digital markers on different parts of the body. In one particular RAS, W-R-A-S-S-E, like his name, a herring kale from New Zealand, Evans noticed something odd in the mouth cavity. It looked like it had some kind of insect in its mouth. Then I thought, wait a minute, the fish is an herbivore, it eats seaweed. So I pulled up the original scan and lo and behold, it was a tongue-eating louse. Dude, I, I would freak out. Even when the wrasses haven't been parasized by these tongue-biting horrors, they are still extremely weird, Evans told Live Science. They have a second set of jaws in their throat like a, in the movie Alien. Ugh! Whoosh! That kind of shit. Rasses can swallow a snail, and then they can actually generate enough force with the second set of jaws to crush the shell up in their throat. Some of these wrasses called parrotfish have copper reinforced beaks that are tough enough to bite through coral and the single jaw, jaw wrasse can launch its jaws forward up to 65% the length of its head to snap up evasive prey. It's like if you saw a cheeto on the other side of your kitchen and you just throw your jaws at it while standing in place. That's totally like alien. Dude. Okay, that's it. I had to make sure that was the end of the story. Well, that's Total nightmare fuel for you. I will link it at bizarrebus.com. It's got pics. You got to check Finally, it out. Tonight, zombie microbes redefine life's energy limits. A new model shows that the denizens of a vast ancient biome beneath the seafloor use barely enough energy to stay alive and broadens understanding of what life can look like. Last week in Science Advances, researchers presented the most complete picture to date of the strange hidden biosphere beneath the seafloor. Ocean drilling expeditions have repeatedly probed those lightless depths and uncovered cells that survived almost in suspended zombie-like animation, consuming orders of magnitude less energy than their neighbors at the surface. But the models presented in the new study show that this zombie-like state probably applies to the vast majority of microbes in ocean sediments and that they typically sub subsist on energy budgets approaching a theoretical minimum for life. This entire biosphere of cells equivalent in size to the world's soils hardly has enough energy to survive, which is absolutely amazing. To learn about the microbes living in sub-seafloor sediments, scientists must typically go on drilling expeditions to retrieve samples of them, but those missions are difficult and expensive. With the 70% of the Earth's surface covered by oceans, we realize very quickly that we're not going to get the number of samples that we really need to map out the marine sediments. To that end, um, 
amend Bradley and the rest of their team divvied up the oceans into hundreds and thousands of sections and used data from decades of expeditions. Lab experiments and theoretical models to extrapolate a detailed profile of the younger sediments in each one. The values they estimated included the sediments age, the density, and the distribution cells in them, how those cells got their energy, and the rates at which the cells metabolized the available nutrients. From those values, the researchers calculated the power consumption of cells in each region, the rate at which the cells obtain and use energy rather than just the amount of energy itself. That's important because it's a more accurate way to talk about the energetics of life. Time really matters for life. They found that the cells buried in ocean sediments operate at incredibly low power levels. In total, microbes in those sediments, which in some places might extend kilometers below the seafloor, collectively use a mere tenth of a percent of the power consumed in the upper 200 meters of the ocean. Each cell, on average, survives its sediment burial at a power level significantly lower than that of some of the most energy-starved things in the world, as Lloyd puts it in orders of magnitude lower than that of any organism ever measured in lab settings. So sort of like how a tree goes into dormancy for the winter and loses its leaves and it looks dead. It's not. Um, so that must be what they mean. I'm just trying to give an example in my head. This is how I'm seeing it. Maybe you don't. It's okay. We don't have to see things the same way. <laughs> uh, Although these kinds of measurements have previously been made for individual subseafloor sites, they have tended to exist somewhat in isolation. We've done a ton of poking individual holes here and there, but this paper actually puts that together and puts it into a global perspective. Totally amazing, extremely interesting, extremely long article. I could read it for an hour. Uh, so I just wanted to give you like the highlights of it, but I will link it. It's uh, at Quanta Magazine, but I'll link it at bizarrebus.com. You guys have a great night. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate all of you. Um, thank you so much for all the kind compliments that you give us. We really appreciate you. You have a great night. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay bizarre. Yeah. Hey. Make sure you take a deep breath. Yeah. Think positive. Just saying. Dude, penguins given free reign to roam around the aquarium since there's no visitors allowed. That's awesome. Dude, look, he's looking around. He's loving it. I got a new section under the on the headlines page at the bottom called Bad Seeds. Matt Geats of Florida, 1st Congressional District, blocked the whole process by wearing a gas mask when reviewing the funding. You're a super freaking winner, dude. An Alaska airman has been punished for peeing in the office coffee maker. Dude, why? Like, how did, why? Did you take it in the bathroom with you? Did you stand in the kitchen and whip it out? Clearly, this airman is dedicated to getting kicked the F out. He's trying really hard, y'all.